0: This morning we are uh, we're, we're going to jump into Colossians here we're close to the end but some of you may be excited about that um, we're 16 this is the 16th sermon in the series we're going to have one more after that you come to a passage here in Colossians where really the body the meat of what Paul has to say to the church at Colossae is finished uh, the heading in my Bible says uh, for chapter 4 verse 7 through the the end of the book It says, Paul's final instructions and greetings. This is really him saying bye. Uh, Y'all know a good Eastern Kentucky goodbye, right? You know, like if you need to leave at 7.30, you start at 7 saying bye. Because you're going to say bye in the living room. And then you're going to go to the door in the dining room. And everybody's going to stand there and one will be outside. And you're going to say bye again. And then you, somebody will get in the car, and they'll roll the window down, and you'll say, bye again, right? And it, it's a, a different conversation. And I, this happens all the time for us. And, you know, I'm a bye. Like, when you say bye once, that means it's bye, and I'm, like, gone. I guess that might be rude to some people, because they tend to start conversations like a whole new I'm like, wait, we're in the bye mode. You just started a new conversation. Um, and, and so here we have Pauls closing out this letter Uh, to the church at Colossae and and the end here and it would be really easy to be like well we got everything he wanted to tell the church it's probably not much benefit in verse 7 through I think it goes through 18 Um, but man I spent some time here and there's truth here and there's some good lessons maybe not directly out in what he says but there's principles here I think we can that are important Uh, one important to our church growth and health um, but also to you personally and I think this will hit in both of those ways. But what I find here in this passage is really Paul begins to list out some people he's thankful for. He lists nine different names. Um, and, 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 and we find in this that it's not all about Paul. And I want you to find that in your own life, and, and I want to find that in my own life. But New Beginnings is not all about Jared by any stretch of the imagination. And Paul begins here by listing out some people and friends that he's in fellowship with that, that have made his ministry possible. And he has deep gratitude for them, and we're going to share and look at some of those people. It reminded me of the story of Moses in Exodus 18. You all remember that story? When Moses was doing everything himself. When he was, he, was, he was listening to all the disputes from all the people from morning to evening, and, and his father-in-law comes by Jethro, and he sees what's going on. And in Exodus 18, verse 14, it says, When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, What are you really accomplishing here? What are you really accomplishing here? He says, Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning to Till evening, And he was teaching Moses here really a leadership lesson about delegation. This idea, you've got all these people around you that you could assign responsibility and take some of this off of you, and you could have a healthier life and reach more people. This is the way God's kingdom works, is by delegation and multiplying and giving people responsibility. And so he does that. He puts people in charge. I think it's tens, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of different people in charge of different groups of people and he creates a hierarchy and he gets organized because of the work that got inefficient. I want to ask you this morning, what are you really accomplishing by trying to do it all by yourself? Uh, you can, I, that can hit, it hits all of us in a different place. Uh, it, it might be, uh, why, why are you, why, why, why are you trying to go through your divorce uh, and not talk to people about it? Why are you trying to do it by yourself? Why are you um, why are you going through this, this death in your family and you're feeling lonely and, and you're, you're trying to carry this and do this alone? Why are you trying to do this and you're, with, with just your kids, maybe your single parent? Why are you trying to do it by yourself? There's people that are there that would love to help you if you just ask. It becomes a pride thing. It's hard to ask for help. It's hard to talk to, somebody, to other people and be, be vulnerable with them. But Paul here tells us, man, these people, this list of people, really important to my ministry. Like, I wrote this letter without Tychicus, the first person we're going to talk about. You wouldn't have this letter (laughs) because he delivered it to the church. He's the one that took it. Paul couldn't write it, be in prison, and deliver it, and read it to the church. Like, it takes a team of people to do ministry and do uh, the work of the Lord. And so he realizes, I can't do this alone, and he's grateful uh, for these people, uh, leaders who refuse to transfer a responsibility, who refuse to say, y- you, know the, you know these people who say, if I want something done right, I got to do it myself, and some of you went, ouch, <laughs> that's me, and we can all be that way sometimes, but what we find here is this, this great lesson through Paul's demonstration here that he trusts other people with responsibility that there has to be a handing over of responsibility he delegates he gives them things y'all do this as parents you find out this evening somebody's coming over for dinner you say you go do the dishes you clean your room right you get every, you delegate you give people jobs to do cuz you can't do it all yourself and this is what paul is exhibiting here, and this is a message I have for you this morning that God put on my heart. Maybe it's for me and not you, maybe it is for you and me. But He said, Don't go it alone. All right, I got this passage, I got this, this PDF I keep, I'll print it out every now and then. It's called the One Another Passages. If you look through the New Testament, I think there's almost 40 or 50. Passages where Paul gives instructions of how the church to be with one another. We're going to talk about some of those this morning, and and, and Paul is talking about here friendship and fellowship and who your circle of friends is, or friend, and, and it matters and how to pick good friends and what kind of characteristics should we look for. All these things are what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, let's do it. Let's jump into the passage. Uh, and if you are expecting a child and looking for baby names, you've got four great options this morning. I always like to do this. Uh, Tichicus is your first one. You can call him old Titch or whatever you want to. <laughs> Tichicus will give you a full report about how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful her- he- helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I've sent him to you for this very purpose to let you know how we're doing and to encourage you. I want I you to just think for a minute here before we look at kind of his traits. Um, but I, I want you to think about what he said here. I've give you, I, I want him to give you a full report. We read this letter, and I thought that's probably all had Paul had to say to that church. But then he sent someone to deliver it. Tichicus is going to deliver it. He said, he'll give you a full report. Man, wouldn't you have loved to have heard that? That, that Paul sent someone like this that he had full confidence in. Because you know when he got there and he said, Tishka said I got this letter from Paul, let me read it to you. And he, he reads it to him You know what happens after that? They start to ask questions. Wouldn't you ask questions? Wouldn't you say, well, I, I get all that, but how is Paul? What's it like in prison? What's his prison like? Where is it at? Who's staying there with him? How, is he discouraged? Is he all these things? And, and, you, and you see, Paul first in this list starts out with Tychicus. He's the guy that I can depend on. He's the guy that I can say, take this to Colossae and I know it will get there. Y'all have those people in your life? Sometimes I'm the guy that you give me something, you say, take it to Colossae, and I get to Colossae and be like, I left it in Rome. <laughs> All right, like you get there and you this morning, right now, Bethany is at the house because she can't find her van keys. Are you with me for a minute? She asked me, where are my van keys? I was like, they should be right there when I left early this morning. About 15 till she went, where are the van keys? We can't find them anywhere. And she still can't find the van keys, I don't think. So she's at home. But he could depend on Colossae. He could depend on Tychicus to get this to Colossae. He could deliver the letter. Not only that, he trusted him. He trusted him to speak on his behalf. That he got the vision of what Paul had. He, he not just what he was doing, but why he was doing it. The hunger for Jesus. He could give a full report. And he says, uh, for this very purpose... So you can know how we're doing and to encourage you. He sent Tychicus to encourage the believers at Colossae. One translation of this, uh, Phillips paraphrased it and said, I want Tychicus to put new heart into you. Um, Man, there are days that our heart weans, right? Like it's just hard to... uh, that just feels hard to get out of the bed. Y'all been there. And, um, a- and he says, here, what I really want you to do is put new heart into these people, these believers. I want to ask you this question. Who, who'd you put new heart into last week? Here's what happens as we start thinking, nobody encouraged me last week. But what our call is really to encourage others. And if we were all encouraging others, then we'd all be encouraged. But the devil wants to get us bitter about how somebody's not thought about us, they didn't call us, they didn't text us, they didn't even check on us, and, and, and we get caught up in that, and then we don't check on other people. And so he, he calls them to, to tell them everything that's going on and encourage them. But I want you to, to take a look at what he talks about uh, with, with, with Tychicus. He doesn't say, man, let me tell you about Tychicus. He's, an am- he's so fast. He's going to get to Colossae so fast. He didn't say say, Tychicus is the best singer. He didn't say he's an amazing preacher. He can bring a word, brother. (laughs) He said Tychicus is a beloved brother. He didn't talk about what he did or he didn't talk about his gifts or his talents. He talked about, his character about who he was because God can use who we are to do anything he wants when we give our life to him God cares more he cares more about what we are before what we do he cares about your motive your heart about why you do it and so when, when we're thinking about here at the church how do, how do we build Team, a team to do what God has called us to do here, and all these ministries that we're involved in, and everything that we're doing. I was thinking about this, man. This is a great reflection point. We want people who are beloved brothers and sisters, people who we love, who who we just look around and they've been there, and we know them, and 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 they are beloved. They're lovely people. They're nice people. Second, he says he 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 was a, a a beloved brother. But he was also a faithful helper. That he was faithful, he was dependable. He could be, de- he, he could depend on him. If his word was good, he he showed up when he said he was going to. He did what you asked him to do, and he got it done. He was a faithful helper. He didn't talk about his status and how, how uh, 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 amazing he was. He just said he's a faithful helper, and helper meant servant. It meant minister. It meant diakonos was the greek word meant deacon just a servant he had a faithful heart to serve and then it says he's a faithful helper and it says he serves with me it's literally meant like a bond slave he is a slave in christ he's a slave to christ with me he is in the lord's work he's in jesus That's pretty good traits of people you want on your team, someone who's beloved, someone who's dependable, someone who's faithful, someone who is in Christ, someone who is willing to serve and and, and take out the garbage if that's what needs done. He is a faithful helper. He serves in the team. He's part of the body. He's in Christ. Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. This is a reminder for me to not be doing church alone, to not be serving alone, to not be serving ourselves, but to be serving one another. Don't go it alone in life. Don't go it alone in church. We might get in this mindset, so, well, I can be at home, and I hear people talk about this a lot, that, that I don't need to go to church to, to serve God. My heart really believes that the instruction of, of the New Testament is you're right, you don't need to be to church, need to go to church serve God but if you are in Christ you will have a desire to be in community with other believers and be in church when it becomes about going to church you've made a religion and that's not what Jesus is about at all actually he blew that all up he said i want to be in relationship with you and when I'm in relationship with you, you want to be with all your family of brothers and sisters. You want to you you would to come together on Sunday mornings for encouragement and edification so you can go into the world on Monday through Saturday and be what you are called to be. Romans twelve ten says, Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. I think Tychicus embodied that. He was that. He was a faithful helper beloved brother next name on your baby list Onesimus some of you wrote that one down I'm also sending Onesimus a faithful and beloved brother one of your own people he and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here this is uh, this is interesting because Onesimus, he, he could have easily have said this, I'm sending the escaped slave back to his master. Onesimus was a slave. His master was, uh, lived in Colossae. His name was Philemon. There's a letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. And so he's sending Onesimus back with Tychicus. But he doesn't say, I'm sending this slave back to his master. He says, I'm sending a faithful and devoted brother, beloved brother, who is speaking to the church of Colossae, who many of them probably would have had slaves and been in this situation. He said, he's one of you. You see, Paul here very, very, very directly speaking into the reality that in God's kingdom, we are all equal. He's beginning to break down this idea that that there's any social class that's better than the other, that should serve one and serve the other, that, that one is better and one is worse. It doesn't matter if you're in a gated community or in a trailer or a shanty on the side of the hill. It doesn't matter where you are. You are in God's kingdom and you're his kid. He loves you. And he's speaking this into this situation right here. He said, I'm sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. And you see, Onesimus had really, he would made a mess of his life. He had sinned. He had escaped. He had ran away from his master. He had left, and he, apparently, and we're going to read in, in a second what Paul tells Philemon about him, that Paul knew, and Onesimus had confided in him, that, man, I was a terrible worker. <laughs> I really didn't do anything I was supposed to do, and I ran out of that place, And then he meets Paul somehow in prison, and he gets saved, and Paul disciples him. He knows him well enough to say he's faithful, and he's a beloved brother. He tells him. In Philemon, verse 10, only one chapter, short book, I appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus. Man, imagine Paul writing that. To Philemon, calling Onesimus his child. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much of much use to you in the past. See that line? But now he's very useful to both of us. I'm sending me back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news. And he would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help. Because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He's more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now, he will mean much more to you, both as a man, as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. This is Paul the Apostle speaking on behalf of a slave. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Wouldn't you like to have friends like that? Wouldn't you want to be a friend like that? This is a reminder for me that that Onesimus, he did not face the sin in his life on his own. He confessed it. He shared it with Paul. I want, I want to encourage you not to carry the burden of a stronghold, of an addiction, of, of some sin, of something in your life that you've never shared with anybody. Don't bear it alone. James 5.16 says, Con- Confess your faults to one another. They'll tell you everything that's happening here. We're going to try to get through a few more names. (laughs) Aristarchus, who's this guy? Comes out of nowhere. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. Let's stop right there. Let's just think about him for a minute. Acts 19, you find the story about Aristarchus. It's a great, great story. He was a, uh, was a, a ministry partner with Paul. And Paul spent a decent amount of time in Ephesus planting a church there. Uh, he said he started teaching and preaching. And then he, he moved out of the synagogues when he got caught, kicked out and went to another uh, like a classroom and started teaching. And then it said, and he taught there for two years, like that's in one verse. That's a long time to be in one verse. So he preached in Ephesus for two years, and the way is what they called it there. The believers, the people that started to follow Jesus, it started to spread and multiply. And a guy named Demetrius, who makes these little false gods, these idols, to Artemis in the town of Ephesus, realizes, guess what? His business is shrinking. Wouldn't you love that to be the case in our community, that God transformed so many hearts that the whole drug system and network, the dealers went like nobody's showing up. Wouldn't you love that God, that's the way God changes a community, not by legislation and politics, by changing individual hearts one at a time. And that is exactly what happened in Ephesus. Everybody's heart started changing. Like, I don't need this little fake God to this other fake God to worship that. I'm not buying that. So Demetrius goes to the town hall, and he gets a bunch of his business partners, and they start a riot. He gets riled up and gives a big speech. We can't let this guy Paul be saying these things about Jesus. Think about Artemis and all that we are and our business. And then they all get riled up, and they go drag two guys in. It says they drag them. One of the guys' names is Gaius. And the other one is Aristarchus. See, this guy's been with Paul when his life was on the line. You got those friends? Got war stories? To talk about the time you almost gave up, but you didn't. The time your marriage almost fell apart, but it didn't. The time it did fall apart, but they were with you through it all. Fast-track to now. It says, Aristarchus, who's in prison with me, sends you his greetings. He has been through it with Paul all the way back to Ephesus. He's been there. At times, they drug him in to that that hall in Ephesus, and they shouted, and they started a big riot, and finally the mayor's like, listen, Rome's going to get mad at us, and he, he, he silenced the riot, and everybody finally went home. But this guy, Aristarchus, is a reminder not to face hardships alone. Galatians six two says, bear one another's burdens. Now, if you're bearing your own burden, don't do it. If you're struggling, don't do it alone. Talk to somebody. Share it with somebody. Give it to Jesus. Give it to a friend friend someone that is a beloved brother a faithful helper someone that you can do life with you need those people in your life and you need to be that person (laughs) for people that will listen John Mark and so does Mark Barnabas's cousin this is the guy named John Mark Uh, as you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Uh, John Mark is a believer who redeemed himself. Uh, I know you all feel like you're in class this morning, but these are good lessons. These are good characters that we've got to learn from. Uh, John Mark, if you go back to Acts 13, 13, it says, Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. All these names. You're like, what is this? There John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. Two chapters later in the book of Acts, when they were getting Paul and Barnabas getting ready to go back on a missionary journey, Paul says, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. John Mark was the guy who had been there and then left. He had deserted them. They had some kind of disagreement, some kind of division. Paul was like, I ain't taking him with me. He's not going on my trip again. We had it like, nope, not right now. But John Mark, at some point in his, in, his, in his journey, apparently repented and reunited and got back into fellowship with Paul. Because he says here, uh, as you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. That means at some point, they told them, don't let Mark come by if, he's there. if he comes by. Don't let him in. This guy's he's turned against God. He's turned against the church. He's turned against me. And we have to pray for him and be with him. But here we find this redeemed believer. Uh, this is a reminder for me to not continue alone. To not leave a body of believers just because my feelings are hurt, or because I'm concerned, or like this is that we have to be in unity together, live in harmony with one another. Is what Romans twelve sixteen says. Ephesians five twenty one says submit to one another. Ephesians four two says forgive one another. Ephesians four fifteen says speak truth and love to one another. Don't go it alone. Paul's made a list here already of four names, of four people, and then he makes one more. A man named Justice. Uh, It was called Jesus, but uh, they also called him Justice. We're going to use Justice as his name, so you don't get confused. He sends his greetings. We don't know much about this guy. All we know is that he was uh, a Jewish believer, a Jewish person who had given his life to Christ. Most of the Jewish religious elite at the time, the Pharisees, the scribes, almost all of them rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Then they gave the cold shoulder to Paul who began preaching uh, about this Jesus as the Messiah. Actually, Paul was one of the chief ones who rejected Jesus at the beginning. He was persecuting the church. And so here we know this this justice has laid down religion for relationship with Jesus. This is a reminder to me that you don't want to face eternity alone. (laughs) That you don't want to face eternity in the day of judgment when you close your eyes for the last time and say, I did it on my own. I did it my way. I gave. I went to the church. I I, was, I did some good deeds. I volunteered at this once a year. I did all these things that I thought were good. Matthew 5.20, Jesus said, Except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you're not going to enter the kingdom. If you're going to try to do it on your own you're going to try to do it by yourself, it has to be perfect. You're going to be completely flawless. And we know Paul said that we've all sinned. In Romans, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mark 7, Jesus again speaking to the religious elite, quoting Isaiah, said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He said, their worship is a farce for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God for you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Romans ten three says it like this for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself refusing to accept God's way they cling to their own way what is their own way of getting right with God you may have been taught this in your life, you may have experienced in your life that I get right with God by acting and being and having the correct behavior that a Christian should have. That I go to church, I dress different, I talk different, I don't do this, I do that, I don't do this, you know, I, I got to get my, and it goes to all the extremes. It can go to you, you can't cut your hair to to, to you got to have a dress to you got to have all these things and we build all these things that that define what a Christian is a- a- and Paul says here you you're refusing to accept God's way and they cling to their own way of getting right with God you're trying to make God happy by your works and you can not do it you don't have to do it Jesus fulfilled it all Jesus lived it perfectly has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. It is that simple. You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. You will be saved. That way, you don't go into eternity alone. You don't go on your own account. You see, you're in Christ. And all of your sins are made, that were crimson, have been made white as snow. You've been forgiven all of them. You've declared innocent because Jesus Himself, because you're with Him, you're not alone. You don't have to go on your own. You're going in Him and with Him. As you think about this, and we get ready to close, don't go it alone. We're going to look at a few more people next week. I want you to think about, one, if, if one of your friends was writing a letter, and I think this is about me, and they said, Jared what would follow it? What would follow your name and your life? What would your friends say about you? Would they say you're a faithful helper, a beloved brother, you're dependable? Would they speak into these things? Is that what they would share about you? Are you like Moses? Are you trying to carry in your business, in your family, in the church, are you trying to carry on? You imagine, I thought about this this week as I was I was uh, studying. I thought, man, what if, what if I, as the pastor, decided I'm just going to do everything at the church? And so I made a list. Y'all want to hear what some of it is? I couldn't even get through it all. I don't know. I left a lot of stuff out. So I'm going to preach the sermon this week. I'm going to pick the songs. I'm going to lead the band. I'm going to build the live stream. I'm going to make the coffee. I'm going to order the coffee. I'm going to clean the church I'm going to clean the market, Faith Life Market. I'm going to clean the boxing gym. I'm going to manage all the maintenance and the work that needs done around all the buildings. I'm uh, going to maintain all relationships with men, landlords and ministry partners. I'm going to lead the nursery. I'll drive the church bus Wednesday night. I'll teach the class when we get back. I'll make the food for, for Wednesday night and the 120 kids that show up every Wednesday night. We've got about three to 400 people that probably call New Beginnings home. I'm going to have a weekly meeting with each of them to disciple them. All 400 to sit down with all of you. I'm going to preach every funeral. I'm going to be at every funeral with two family members removed for all 400 people. Every time you get sick or your family members get sick, I'll be at the hospital. I'll be there praying for you. You know, if that's my list, I am an epic failure. I cannot do all of that. I am not doing all of that. I can tell you there are hundreds of people that are. There are people that are stepping into many of those roles. I can't be at every hospital. You all go to each other when I can't be there. You've got to love whoever is with you. Are you hearing me? we got to do this together to get to the next level of more people. We, I have to delegate. I say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not great at delegating. It takes trusting the next person to do the work. But God has called people, and every time we don't delegate, we steal their blessing and take away from their opportunity. So wherever you're leading in this church, you'd be thinking about who's next. Who we build and who we pouring into? Who we training for our job? How, when, I, when God's called me, I'm finished here. Who's next? Who's stepping into line? And God's bringing all these people right now together. And my role has changed from doing things to organizing things, and and getting to know you and and learning your gifts and where you fit in and where you plug in and how you can serve. And Chris, man, thank God for Chris over the last year. Thank God for our elders. Thank God for those that, that lead and volunteer in kids' ministry, for, for Emily that runs the market, for Caesar that runs the boxing And We've got a whole team of people who are doing things. It's a good old football analogy. Um, that, that I, I want to just give you this thought as we close. Um, There's 22 people on the field with jerseys on who will complain about the 60,000 people in the stands. They're too loud, they're this, they're that. And there's 60,000 people in the stands that would love the opportunity to put a jersey on and be in the game. Some of you, had you been coaching UK this weekend, we'd still be in the tournament. Right? Maybe not. Maybe it's hopeless. You, we can't go it alone. You can't go it alone in your life. We can't go it alone in a church. We, we can't be a spectator ministry where, where, where the, the people and the, there's people that are just coming and consuming and attending or participating. God's church is a body of believers. A body. When you are a member of that body, it is a working member of the body. You have a purpose. Ephesians two ten says you were created as a masterpiece in Christ Jesus to do good things that He prepared in advance for you to do. My invitation this morning one: if you are you've never given your life to Christ, do not face eternity alone. This is a day you can surrender it all to Him. You can get a jersey. He will put you in the game. All you have to do is say, man, I believe you were crucified, you resurrected, you raised from the dead. you got to just say it with your mouth. You'll feel it in your heart. And and after that, you follow him in baptism. You go down the water and you tell the world, I'm with Jesus. I've joined the way. I'm on the team. I've got a jersey. If you're sitting here, you're thinking, I just go and watch New Beginnings. No, if you're a believer, you got a jersey. We can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. God has called us to get in the game, each and every person. And until we're all there and committed and in unity, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a struggle. I believe we're there. I see what God's doing in you and in our church And I'm excited to see where he takes his nest. I'll finish you with this question. Jethro asked Moses, what are you really accomplishing by carrying it all yourself to trying to do it alone? What are you really accomplishing and why are you trying to do it alone when Jesus himself said, you who are heavy laden, bring me your burdens take up my yoke it's easy don't be alone join together with him be a part of his church God we thank you for this word we thank you for your truth God we thank you care about our hearts and our motivation God you don't you don't care about all the glitz and the the, the actions and the and, and the, the talents and the gifts and all the things that, that our culture just eats up. You care about our hearts. God, and you see the heart of every person in this room. And we just pray, God, you would, you would reach the deepest parts of us that we would be willing to share, to do open things. God, we know that we can step into a room of 200 people and feel as lonely as we do when we're when I, in our bedroom, in our apartment and nobody else is around because we put on a mask and we and we pretend to be one thing that we're not and nobody really knows our real story and where our heart really is and and I can't share that because then they won't love me and I tell you this place I know Lord I know this place is full of people who love it doesn't matter what anybody could say to anybody in this room they'd be loved no matter what God, I want you to break down loneliness in this place. I want you to break down depression. I want us to be open to one another. I want us to not go. I don't want us to try to do church alone. I don't want us to try to do ministry alone. I I don't want us to try to just continue in life alone. I don't want us to, to face eternity alone. We want to do it with you, and we want to do it together in harmony and unity. God, we know that's what can change people. And we invite you into that brokenness that we're struggling with. your strength the power that you are working in and through us in jesus name i pray amen